Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters Podcast Season 3, Episode 14. Tegan, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. I've actually got to catch up on some Star Wars book reading that I haven't been able to do. I've been rereading the new Jedi Order for Invasion, so I actually got the chance to sit down and read some of it lately, so it's been good. Fantastic. I am listening to uh, Alphabet Squadron, first book there. Which has been pretty good so far. I'm I'm really early into it, but I like the you know the narrative style of it uh, from the viewpoint of you know those members of the uh, of the squadrons. So uh, Star Wars audiobooks are always amazing. If you like audiobooks, check out the Star Wars ones. They're so well produced for sure. So gotta go check that one out. I've, I've loved the Rogue Squadron and uh, Raid Squadron. I haven't read the new uh, ABC ones. So I'm gonna check that one out. Yeah, definitely good so far. I'd I'd recommend it. So. Today, uh, we have another member of our community on to talk about their experience with Star Wars 5e, Matt, aka Token, on the interwebs. So we will talk with him in a little bit. But first, on our end, some announcements. Of course, check out DungeonJediMasters.com for links to all of our great content, including this podcast, YouTube channel for uh, tutorial videos and whatnot, Twitch for uh, our live plays of Star Wars 5e and otherwise. Uh, we have uh, Twitter and Instagram for uh, ways to contact us there. And then uh, Patreon. If you would like to support us, Patreon is the best way. Uh, it does come with some exclusive content, which we have a new release here we'll talk about in a second. But first, let's give a shout out to those new Patreons. Uh, Tegan, tell us the new Patreons that we have uh, so far right now. Definitely. So big thank you and shout outs. Uh, we want to recognize Jake, uh, so-called uh, Ashes. Uh, for our tier two patrons so thank you for coming through there uh we got two tier threes as well uh and so shout outs to isaac uh and then uh keon j 96. awesome yeah for uh new members there appreciate it very much and to all of our existing patreons we thank you so much for helping us uh, put this content together and all four of you and everyone else will be seeing a new um, piece of our invasion adventure that we've been doing the camp campaign we've been writing this year as one of those monthly releases. So Tegan, tell us about the next chapter in Invasion. This will be a fun one. This was a little hard to write, but I think you guys will have a blast with it. Uh, if you've read the New Jedi Order or the Yuuzhan Vong Invasion for Legends, one of the big pieces, actually one of the big pieces in Star Wars as a whole is kind of the, the political theater background piece of it with politics and the Senate trying to go through and make deliberations. So I wanted to bring that to the table too and kind of bring that uh, to the Invasion campaign. So uh, the fourth adventure, Treachery, is going to deal with the Senate and having to try and convince them of the threat the Yuuzhan Vong face. Uh, there's a whole political points thing that kind of a background game that goes along with all the, the crazy sitting machinations and all that. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. I'm looking forward to running this with my group for the, the live invasion campaign, but I, I think it should be a blast and a cool change of pace too. Fantastic. And as you mentioned, I believe uh, tonight after this episode uh, will be another will be another episode of that invasion campaign. 
That's right. So uh, group's a little behind. So they're still on Invasion Episode 3. Uh, so they're at Kashyyyk right now. You can see them uh, kind of butt heads with the Crusaders, uh, probably journey to the Shadowlands of Kashyyyk and uh, learn a little bit more about the mystery there. So they probably have another session or two on Kashyyyk before we kick off uh, the new adventure, but come through, hang out. Uh, these ones should be a fun one, and I'm really looking forward to putting the group in the hot seat once they do it into Invasion uh, fourth adventure treachery. Awesome. Yeah. So if you're a GM, check out uh, the Invasion Live play there on Tegan's uh, Twitch channel. And then as Patreons, make sure you pick that up, uh, the next chapter there to bring to your own table. And as always, please let us know how that goes. We love hearing. I will hear from Matt later here uh, that about his experience with our Alderaan campaign that we did. And, and it's always fun to hear how that's utilized at uh, other people's tables. So check that out for sure. I believe that's everything on the front end. Uh, so there's two new releases for Star Wars 5e. We have a variant rule uh, for some enhanced items and then a new uh, Sentinel archetype, the Path of Iron. So first up, the enhanced items here, we have uh, two different concepts here, expeditious augments and then empowering mechanics. So the expeditious augments are items or, or uh, enhanced items that utilize capitalize on the tiers of proficiency so of course you know every four levels uh, you have a new tier so uh, plus two three four etc and these specific uh, items uh, tie to your initiative and allow enhancements in that regard so if we look at the expeditious augment the basic level standard rarity your level of proficiency in initiative checks increases by one step so essentially if you were at uh, plus two that would go to a plus three or wherever you're at in that line so if you want to just get a little bit extra out of that uh, that specific mechanic i guess uh, this would be a way to do that on the other side there with the empowering mechanics uh, these are items that help droids capitalize on lack of need for a tech focus while also enabling them to benefit from the enhanced versions of focuses so uh, as the example here talks about the similarity to hand wraps. Um, so I believe it was like monks that didn't really use a focus, but then they wouldn't be able to use items beyond like a chassis or utilize items with the chassis. So this is a way to, to uh, allow uh, droids specifically to do that. So just looking at uh, one of these here with a premium uh, empowering mechanics, uh, while using your body as a tech focus, you gain a plus one bonus to the tech attack rolls for tech powers. So that's an example of one of these that uh, gets a little extra out of uh, some of those things. So uh, check out that variant uh, and see about using that at your table. Tegan, over you for the new archetype. So this new one's a pretty cool one. If you've ever wanted to play a Sentinel and play your Sentinel as a tank, this is the way to go for it. Uh, so this is the Path of Iron Sentinel, uh, the newest one that came out Thursday, um, written by uh, Deb. Uh, so with this, basically, it's making more of a martial version of a Sentinel. So at level three, you get a couple of cool things. The first is you get proficiency in martial, all martial lightsabers, as well as all martial viable weapons. So it's going to give you some ways to do some expanding damage. You can pick some of the, uh, the uh, weapons with reach. Uh, a lot more build options open up that Sentinels would usually be locked out of due to the weapon proficiencies. So that starts you off in a pretty good spot there. Uh, you also get to pick up a lightsaber form, too, a free lightsaber form that you get to choose. Uh, so giving you some more martial options, letting you really build into that uh, for going for a martial Sentinel build. Uh, but the two cool things, or one of the really cool things where you give it physical conditioning, you actually get to get three HP automatically uh, at level three just from taking that class or that subclass. 
And uh, each level afterwards, you get an additional point of HP when you level up. So it effectively took you from a D8 hit die with your Sentinel to a D10, which is going to let you uh, kind of put you in line with the fighter and put you in a better spot to do some more tanking. Uh, the other thing that the physical conditioning feat gets you uh, is it also allows you to bump your proficiency in armor up by one. So if you had were able to wear medium armor before, you can wear heavy armor. If you were only able to wear light armor before, you can now wear medium armor. Uh, so it bumps that up. And it also gives you an option too, uh, especially because with this, you're getting martial viable weapons. You're probably going to want to focus on strength more than most Sentinels would. And it gives you the option to, uh, while you're wearing light or medium armor, rather than adding your dexterity bonus, you can add your wisdom or charisma bonus, so your spell ca or power casting bonus to your armor. So it allows you to be a little bit more, uh, not have as many stats you have to depend upon because you can just focus on your strength and your casting stat uh, and then make sure that you're getting the, the build that you want. So this is a pretty cool one. It goes through, uh, as it levels up, it gives you some more options for enhancing uh, your for force enhanced strikes. Uh, so you can add different things well, to your deflection, your double time, your uh, double strike too. Uh, so just different things you can kind of go to enhance that and just build a cool Marshall Sentinel. So if you're thinking of going this way, uh, this could be a really cool one to check out uh, and build a tank that still has a ton of spell casting potential. Super cool. Uh, another great addition there to that class. Uh, definitely one of the you know great ones of the system. Uh, you know, definitely very unique. So check that out as well. All right, that's everything on the front end. Let's go ahead and bring Matt in here and uh, talk with him about Star Wars 5e. All right, everyone, we have Matt here with us, aka Token from the Dungeon Jedi Masters community. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you guys? Doing pretty well, man. It's good to have you on. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining us. We we love doing these uh, these spotlights here as we do uh, talk with you know, as we do members of the community and, and learn about their experiences with the game and whatnot. And I think there's always something to learn from, uh, you know, those conversations. So uh, let's dive right in. And uh, Matt, tell us, uh, go back to your beginning with tabletops in general. Uh, when and how did you get into those? Um, it was like 2019. I'd always been like kind of interested, like growing up, like playing you know, Knights of Old Republic and just RPGs in general. Be like, man, it's cool, but I wanted something a little more. But my friends and I could never like agree on a system to really get into. Didn't really know how to start. And then, so like, anyway, fast forward like ten years, I get married, and just casually mentioned to my wife, like after digging, I found, I think it's probably like the Saga edition. And I was like, and I had like a intro thing, it's kind of like a uh, choose your own adventure, and we kind of like ran through it loosely. I was like, what is this? something you'd be interested in and she's like yeah it's kind of cool and so then i found the fantasy flight game we bought the uh, starter kit for that and we just ran it a couple times with us and then talked to a couple friends to see if they'd want to do it with us and they're like yeah but we're actually playing a homebrew 3.5 game that we got invited to and that was february of 2019 so we did like two in-person sessions and then the world shut down and we did a couple sessions on roll 20 and that group's GM just hated the virtual format. Yeah. Quit. So the, that died like, you know, a month after it started, but he had tricked me into starting my own like side game with our group. And so that went on for 
like a year and a half, maybe. Awesome. And then I, that died eventually. And so I was like looking for something else, but like, I like Star Wars and sci-fi and I was just browsing Roll20. I feel like everyone else that you guys have interviewed has said this and stumbled across the SW5E thing. I was like, well, what's that? Looked into it, found the website, found you guys. And then, yeah, that's, that's, that's it, how huh? that happened. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm actually surprised that, I don't, to me, I guess, because maybe I don't use Roll20 much anymore, that that's a big spot for people to find it. You know, they're, um, I think, otherwise, you know, it'd be just a simple Google search or something. But uh, yeah, it seems that it definitely gets some good traction there, which is cool. Uh, the 3-5 game, was that traditional, like traditional D&D? Like fantasy? Yes. Yeah. So it was a low fantasy thing. Okay. So more medieval. Right. With monsters. Yeah. One thing I've got to ask, it's the only Star Wars game I haven't played for TTRPGs. How was the FFG game? Or how did, what did you think of the system as a whole? So we didn't get to do it that much. Um, but aside from the dice being wonky, I think that's the biggest learning curve is what do I do with all these symbols? And like with every roll, you end up with like, you've got like three threat left. Like, well, what do I do with that? And like a generic recommendation is like, I'll just add some stress to your players or not stress. What was the, it's a strain. It's like you had so much hit points and then you had strain. And once that ran out, like it started to affect your hit points, but it was like, but you could do it for other things. Like there was a couple times like, oh, a, there was a threat and there was like two or three tiers of bad things versus two or three tiers of good things. I think one of them, I was like, okay, the shot missed you, but it shot the control panel you're working on. So that's going to make your next check harder for the rest of this encounter. Yeah, I've heard that interesting system with kind of how they did like the strain and all those things. I've not played it. The dice is kind of what always builds my gate. I didn't feel like I buy a special dice for the game and yeah. just kind of stop me from playing it. But with the virtual tabletops, I'm going to have to give that a shot sometime. I love the concepts there. It's it's kind of like the execution that I wonder about. I, I I love what I think they're trying to do with that. I think that in a 5e or whatever else, you know, it's just a matter of teaching GMs how to do those things that the dice are trying to do in that system, I think. So like you said, all right, you did miss the shot, but it it, you know, damages something else. And I think in 5e, maybe it's a little too much all or not, like yes or no, right? Like you either hit or you don't, you know, and um, can you have some of those uh, other things? So I know there's other systems um, where, you know, partial successes, partial failures, things like that. So I think that's gets there. So it's an interesting concept. I think uh, something you can maybe learn, uh, pull over to other things there. So very cool. Um, so you did mention, you know, how you got into what the game you first started your, um, the campaign you went for like a year and a half. That was Star Wars 5e? No, so that was um, that same like world of that uh, okay. 3.5 that still I was Still 3.5? Yeah. Okay, cool. So still that traditional kind of fantasy there. Uh, very cool. Um, but then you said you kind of came across Star Wars 5e and I, you said you're running a game now. Yeah. yeah. Have you run anything before that as well? Or is this your first uh, GM foray with Star Wars 5e? That's the first one. I've been doing that since, I think we started that October of last year. Okay. So Good. coming up on a year. Yeah. Awesome. But definitely, um, I think we played together. I think, uh, you know, played yeah. with Tegan as well. So definitely uh, played quite a bit. Yeah, it's been fun. Is, is your wife a part of your table too? Occasionally, we've got a 
one-year-old that won't let her go in the evening for her to get to play more regularly. She definitely wants to join in, but like last night, I think he woke up and came out into the living room twice, like during the game. So like, it just wouldn't be. Just got to get him at the table with some dice. Baby's first dice. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. No. That's cool though, man. I've tried to get my wife to play. Uh, I've gotten her to play Watts. Uh, it's not her thing, unfortunately. But oh, <laughs> just... yeah, I can't can't win them all. I'm kind of in the same boat. So, but uh, but still, um, you know, good fun there. So uh, let's let's dive into Star Wars Five B then, Matt. Um, tell us. Uh, I think good initial question is what's your favorite class uh, of the system, and that can be related to a character you've played previously. What do you like about that? Um, so definitely engineer, I think, which my character in the play by post is an engineer. And I think that's always just something I'm drawn to in games in general is like the, I guess like the vision of an engineer, like someone that's really good with stuff, but they also pack a punch when needed. Right. And right. just the different archetypes of engineer in SW5E, like if I got to play more character yeah more as a player i'd probably explore some of those like the one where you get like the pet robot or the constructor thing like those seem pretty cool but then the uh path of iron sentinel that just came out thursday yeah. that seemed pretty cool too so probably engineer or sentinel would be my number one and two picks both of those are some fun classes. Uh, yeah, that's one of the things I think with DMs, like you've got like a stockpile of characters that if you ever get the chance to play, or at least like characters, the uh, different builds you want to run with uh, when you get a chance on the other side of the table. Yeah, if ever you get the chance. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Engineer, definitely a favorite of mine. Um, I think just the variety there. What uh, what uh, subclass is your current engineer? Uh, Armstech. Okay. Yep. That's one. Uh, yeah. That's one that I had for my first character ever as well. Um, so yeah, good fun. With uh, the campaign you're running, uh, what, tell us a little bit about the campaign. Like what era is it set in and kind of what's the crew getting up to? Uh, so it's Old Republic right after the Cold War ends. So the beginning of the second part of the war. And right, I'm using your guys Alderaan nice adventure as like kind of like the main backdrop of it awesome so they're just finishing the fourth middle section it's like we just finished the train heist part last night and so then i've sprinkled in some of like my own adventures in the middle of it just kind of like drag it out longer and then so yeah they'll be hopefully retaking alderaan in the coming months and then i've got a couple like because one of the characters is a bounty hunter. So I'll like, hey, you got an alert for a new bounty posted. And so those are like, I've told them out of character, like these will be harder. Somebody might actually like permanently die in this, but the rewards will be pretty great, I think. So hopefully they get the nerve up to do a couple of those. Those are always fun. I was like in those optional quests where like you, you can kind of rake the difficulty up and make sure they know it's your choice. I mean, this is going to be deadly, but you can get yeah. some really cool stuff out of it. Tegan, was that, uh, I think we tried to keep that a little era agnostic, but did we set that anywhere specifically? I, I try to keep that one really era agnostic. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it, it could work in Imperial times, but 
Old Republic's the best mm-hmm. time period to put it in. Yeah, it, I was going to say, it probably was the best there slots and easily. So that's really cool. Yeah. I think uh, that's awesome that you're using that, Matt, and, and all that. What uh, level is are there your players right now? So they we started at level one. Okay. Just because it was a new system to me and them, obviously, yeah. and a couple new characters. So I wanted them to get a feel for their character as they went through, not just, hey, you're level four. Here's right. a ton of information to pick from. But they're level six right now. Very cool. So that's a good uh, good advancement there. And I think um, we, we've definitely discussed this a little bit. Uh, I, I love a level one, you know, at least starting out with level one. I love to build into the, the character there. Um, but I think, uh, you know, you can level up at different paces. It doesn't have to be, you know, super advanced like that. So, yeah, super cool. Yeah, the only danger with that is I had to fudge a roll in my first our first session because I got a crit against one of the like a d8 class with no constitution and so it's like well you could take and of course because i roll well overall for whatever reason it's like you could take 24 damage and have to make a brand new character already or we'll just say you got hit for like seven or something and with those first uh, level one sometimes you do have to just fudge a little bit just uh because it it's easy to get like a crazy even like a low cr monster that can get over was it 10 15 hp you need to kill somebody yeah yeah, that's uh, super easy to do. I think I think that's yeah, there's a little fun as well though with that uh, you know, high level of of caution and you know, uh, whatnot that the players need to have and and understand that. But uh super cool. Do you have any preferences now with with the experience you've had of um, you know, would you always do that with new players start at level 1? Do you have a level range that you really enjoy? I'd probably start at 3 maybe just because there's not so much information that you have to like pick then, but range wise, I think like this six to, cause my other game, I think they got up to level nine before that fizzled out. So that seems like a fun range, probably six to 10, I would say. But I do think for the end of our campaign, which I think Tegan does this, let them have like a fully realized character. So something will happen to where they're going to have just, you know, your level 19, 20, something like that. Just so, because that's fun for the GM too, I think. So you could just throw out like absolute crazy things at them for the crazy things they can do back. 100%. And with level 20, like, don't even like use the balances. Like, just throw like crazy stuff out there. Because if you use the balances, like, even like with uh, the Hunted crew, I did just balance stuff. I've overtuned it, but like they, they still cleared it pretty easy. So, like, just throw throw star destroyer out of his yeah it was not so you did it in spooners which we didn't we didn't uh, stream any of that but our first campaign together was spooners we did the level 20 thing and it was crazy but it was also just yeah like i feel like us as the players i think we also had our healer which was just crazy healer so and then yeah uh hunted as you said same thing so it's i've did i did one as well for level 20 um in one of my campaigns to allow the characters to do that just to to try it out and it is as a gm it's it's kind of chaos for sure a lot going on no matter what you throw at it is not too much most likely at that level <laughs> but i agree with you my favorite like dming like for kind of my sweet spot level six and seven like my favorite to dm for because players have cool things but they still have to worry about their resources uh, i can play cool monsters it's just like it's my favorite it's my sweet spot for any game so that's usually where like the players slow down leveling when they get there at six and seven will be a couple of sessions at each definitely 
Getting into um, getting into GMing, you know, you have your Star Wars 5e game now, and then you have that 3-5 game uh, that you did before. Uh, what what was that kind of process like when you, you know, got thrown into it, you know, for the first time? Did you feel pretty comfortable with it or was it very much a uh, figure it out? I was 100% figure it out. I think he was like, it was a Wednesday and he's like, hey, man, how do you feel about like doing your own game on Friday? And I was like, um, okay. So that first session was definitely a lot of, you know, winging it. I had a very loose idea of what I wanted to do. And like, I think I spent most of my time, like finding the perfect map and the perfect tokens. And then just, cause there was a lot of, they were like, no, that's not how it works. This is how it works. So they, they helped me a lot in that first session. Cause they had played for like a, a decade together. Yeah. Okay. But then after that, I definitely fell into the trap of, okay, I'm going to plan out like every exact thing for a couple sessions. And then, you know, instead of going right, they went left and I just had to improvise the entire session anyway. So do you think having like the low prep time on your first session made it a little bit easier? Cause I feel like a lot of DMs myself included that first session, like you ridiculously over prep for, I think having a two day period actually make it not easier, but like a lot less wasted effort. <laughs> definitely and then like i was like well you know if it sucks and they hate it i had you know a four to eight hours of prep time realistically from having to work thursday right. and friday to do it so but i think it went well i, I kind of gather from what you said there and i think a lot of other gms would echo this that it's um i mean you do just have to dive into it and then improv you know being on your feet like that is is the name of the game, to be honest, um, you can prep, but over prepping is always going to happen. And then you'll soon learn that that's not necessary. Also the tokens and maps things. Um, that was me. And I, I probably still fuss on that way more than necessary. And, uh, you know, you spend all that time on that and it's, you know, how much it matters or not. Uh, definitely, definitely one of the things that I fall into. Same. I, I, Maps are my, my least favorite. I love tackle the games, but like making or finding a map is my least favorite part of GMing, especially over virtual tabletop. Like if I could have an intern, that's what they would do for me. Cause like it wastes so much of my time and I don't enjoy it. Uh, so it's just, I definitely get that. Problem with the intern is they would pick one and like it wouldn't be exactly what you wanted. Exactly. So you'd have to do it yourself anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So any, anything else or what, what have you learned along the way? What's, what would be your, kind of big piece of advice to other GMs, other new GMs? Uh, definitely just to relax with it. Like, I think going into that group where I was the inexperienced one being the GM, being in charge of the game, when they all had, you know, that 10, 13 years of experience together playing that, like, you're all there to have fun. Like, it's not like they're going to boo you and throw things at, at you at the table or whatever, you know, over Zoom. So I'd just say to relax, have the general idea of what you want to do, because they'll fill in the gaps nine times out of 10. And if things get awkward, then just move on to the next thing on your checklist, even if it is a little clunky at first. And then as you play together more, you all are going to find that rhythm of give and take. 100%. One last question I have for you too, especially since you played the Alderaan Adventure and you did the heist one. How did the heist one go last time? You said you played that last night, right? Yeah, so we... yeah started it late two sessions ago and then missed our last game because they all stood me up like jerks but uh <laughs> i'm not bitter but no so it went really well they uh 
they're not really big on sneaking anywhere. So like the, I gave in one of the train cars, it's like, you know, there's actually a forklift in this car thinking they would use it to help move the crates. And one guy's like, I'm going to get in it and just floor it and crash into the droid at the end of the thing. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, they're not ones for tact or subtlety, but uh, it went good. They, we ended on a cliffhanger because they've got like, I think 30 seconds left before the reinforcements arrive. And like, they're still trying to get the last crates out. So we'll see what they do. Nice. Uh, I, I, I hope they're having fun. That was, a, that was a fun one to make. So I'm glad they're, like they're enjoying that one. So hopefully uh, they'll get out before the reinforcements. If I remember, I made those reinforcements pretty beefy. So uh, they should have some fun with it. They, it's still there. <laughs> I love though, like, I think, I think there's definitely a lesson in that with how your players play, right? Like, as you said, we're all here to, to have fun. And uh, I think that's a, one of the biggest things about being a GM is, is uh, adapting to what your players do. Um, you know, you can bring a little bit of what you want to do because of course the GM is a player as well. Um, definitely always need to consider that, but you know, when you find that rhythm, that chemistry together, um, it's so much fun. Cause then you just, you play into what they want to do and, and, you know, make those, if they want to go guns blazing, make that uh, a lot of fun and, and uh, all that. So, yeah. And then, you know, on the flip side too, teach them lessons about that too. If, if uh, you know, they always go guns blazing, there can be consequences. That's part of it as well. Two, I would add, don't be afraid to like push them for time, like in the world or whatever. Cause I've, we've had sessions where they've been breaking into something and they're like trying to figure out what they want to do. I'm like, well, that's fine. But there's a guard that's like, you hear footsteps coming and you've got like time for one thing. Mm-hmm. And so that leads to, okay, well, we're going to jump out this window instead of like, it feels, I don't know, more natural or realistic to kind of say, and like, you know, that ends up scaling a wall while the guards are like grabbing at their heels and stuff like that. It's more fun for everybody. If you push a little bit, instead of allowing them to try to make the perfect choice for every situation. hundred percent. Yep. And that's all I think with, with dice rolls as well. I think we were talking at the beginning with the FFG system, but you know, if they go and make, are making a, a, a slicer security kit check to unlock that door, right? If they fail, you know, what you could do though is, all right, you unlock it, but the guards are literally right behind you. You know, that's, it's fail, fail forward, you know, that concept there, which is, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think sometimes people uh, forget to use, but yeah. Or otherwise, like you said, you know, you're, you're taking your time here and you can roll again, but that's going to cost you 10 minutes. Do you want to do that? You know, something like that or, or whatever. So absolutely. Any other, uh, any other thoughts uh, from your time as a GM or anything else? Um, anything from, have you only had experience with three, five otherwise, any other systems outside of that? No, just uh, three, five and that little bit with the FFG system. Oh, that's right. Okay. Did you say you played a little bit of Saga too? Just like whatever the beginning, I don't think you actually got to roll actual dice. Okay. It was just like, or no, you did because we downloaded an app. So, but that was just like a 15 minute thing between me saying like, you come across a fence. What do you want to do? And she'd be like, I want to cut through it or something like that. I like Saga. So that's what I've been wanting to revisit lately. Is that the one that's basically... Kodor, or Knights of the Republic, yeah. Okay, yeah. Then I think I'd like to try that one, too. Saga's 3-5, basically, as well, right? That, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is, I believe so. So, yeah, super cool. Anything from 
um, you know, the time that you did play with the FFG system that you might kind of utilize in uh, your Star Wars 5e game? Um, definitely going to steal some of the campaign stuff from that, I think, for our next game, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, content, always. Yeah, content. Yeah, any mechanics, though, or the way they, the way it does anything? I guess just like we've said a couple of times, the still succeeding when you fail. Right. To keep the narrative going. I like that. Or even thinking outside the box with a critical success, like letting that be an extra boon for the party, not maybe not just for that one person, especially on like group checks. Like, okay, most of the people, you guys would have failed this group stealth check, but because, you know, this person did so good, they got the, that 20, that able, that gets you guys over the hump to let you succeed and let them know that like that person's better, you know, narrate somehow, like they're so good at this, that they helped you get through Cover this. the tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's great. So. Awesome. Well, Matt, this was a great, good catching up with you and learning about your experience with the game and all of that. Glad to have you at the table when we have. And uh, perhaps we'll talk to you again uh, and learn more about your campaign. Cool. Sounds fun. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. All right. Great conversation with Matt there. If you'd like to be considered for a GM spotlight, uh, go ahead and reach out and uh, we'd love to see about having you on. Well, that is everything for our episode today. Thank you, everyone, to all of our listeners, followers, and whatnot. Uh, next week, I think we're going to touch on concepts of writing an adventure, one-shot, things like that. Just some of the things that we do, uh, tips and ideas just from our experience doing it. So if you want to look to write your own content, your own adventure, or otherwise, uh, tune into that. Uh, Tegan, give us one more quick reminder of uh, Invasion tonight. Yeah, so come join us for Invasion tonight, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we're going to be playing on my channel, Tegan J Gaming, uh, at Twitch. So join us there uh, each Tuesday. It's Star Wars Tuesday, so we've got Invasion on my on this Tuesday, and the next Tuesday will be Keith Stranded. So come through, uh, hang out both campaigns. They have a little bit of a different tone, but both are a lot of fun. So come through uh, and see uh, what the crew gets up to. And especially if you're planning on running the Invasion campaign uh, with uh, the Patreon campaign, this would be a good way to see kind of how it plays out uh this with the table there's tweaks that get made as we go through and you can kind of see if any of those tweaks are worth bringing to your crew absolutely great to see that in action uh and kind of play along there so check those out all right everyone thank you so very much we will see you on the next one may the force be with you may the force be with you